College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. We are out of the tunnel on College Football Live. For the first time since 1919, Indiana and Purdue will not play for the old Oaken Bucket. The teams announced Friday's game has been canceled due to COVID concerns in both programs. The other Big Ten game, Michigan and Iowa, also canceled. The Tropical Smoothie Frisco Bowl, that was to be the first bowl game of the season, also canceled after SMU forced to drop out because of COVID. Their opponent, UTSA, will now play in the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl the day after Christmas. Vanderbilt has a new head coach. Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee will step in. He's expected to be introduced next week. He'll continue to work with Notre Dame, though, as they get set for the ACC championship game against Clemson. Speaking of which, what to watch for Saturday on ABC? It is the rematch between the Fighting Iris and the Tigers. This time, though, an ACC championship on the line. Clemson looking to win the championship game for the sixth straight season. Notre Dame looking to win a conference title for the first time in 132 years of playing football. Happy to have you with us. I'm Wendy Nix along with Joey Galloway and Trevor Maddich. And again, we'll be talking a lot about this game, a lot about the rematch. But Joey, I'll start right here. How difficult is it to beat a team twice in the same season? I think it's hard to do, but in this situation, it's a little different because Clemson had a number of guys that were out, including, including Trevor Lawrence. And so this is almost like a different Clemson team that they're facing, but it's tough to beat a team twice. Uh, it is, Joey, and part of the reason is the team that won wants to extend what they already did. The team that lost is adjusting and repairing and looking for new ways to do things. You typically, typically have more movement when you're adjusting. And for that reason, you'll hear a lot about that first game on November 7th. We do have reporters with both teams. We'll start with Team Reports, Marty Smith in Clemson. Thank you, Wendy. Good afternoon. Here at Clemson, it's a standard over scoreboard equation, and they say best is the standard. That saying is plastered all over the locker room, and if you play to best is the standard, the scoreboard will take care of itself. That certainly happened for this senior class. Throughout the past four years, they have 50 wins. 31 of which are ACC regular season games that ties the conference record. But one of their setbacks came earlier this season in South Bend, Indiana against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. So you wonder, going into the ACC championship this weekend, just how much is the revenge factor a part of this? It's, it's all about this, these four quarters. I mean, nothing carries over. Uh, I think both teams uh, know that you know, these are two really good teams and the margin for error is small, uh, and you got to be ready to play four quarters. But, you know, I mean, you can want to get revenge or whatever. Uh, you know, that doesn't fit the gaps properly. In chatting with Clemson players today, I felt like Mike Jones Jr., one of the linebackers here, had an amazing way to sum up the task at hand. He said, it's kind of like an open book test. We know the challenge before us because we've seen it. We just have to lock in on the details. Now let's head up to South Bend, Indiana, where Gene Wojciechowski is with Notre Dame. Gene. Thanks, Marty. Well, here at Notre Dame, the players and coaches have heard all about that seven-letter word, revenge. Are they worried about it? No. Are they aware of it? Of course they are. They're aware that Clemson is going to be fired up for this game and that, in many ways, is more at stake than Notre Dame as far as playoff implications. They're aware that two players who didn't play in the first game for Clemson 
are going to play in this game. Two quarterbacks, actually. Trevor Lawrence on offense, James Skowski on defense. They're aware that they gave up 439 passing yards the last time out. But most of all, they're aware that Notre Dame is a different kind of team. They're not intimidated by Clemson or a rematch. I think in the game that we played, uh, I think both teams got a better sense of, of uh, who they are. Um, and, and, and I don't know that there, there's an advantage one way or the other. This is still going to come down to uh, the fundamentals uh, and, um, you know, players making plays. There's, there's really good players on both sides of the ball. I just think it's going to be um, a really closely contested football game. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to match up the way people think it is. Yeah, we know that they have vengeance on their mind. You know, we know that they're going to, you know, come out there and want to compete. To be able to beat them twice and come home with the trophy, and they've had it the last five years, uh, it would be a special. It'd be special for this program, and it would be uh, an unbelievable year for us. Earlier this week, Wendy, Brian Kelly was asked if there's any chance that his team might relax or take it easier because they knew possibly even if they lost this game, they'd still make the playoff. Kelly almost scoffed at that idea. He said his team never considers anything like that, that they're totally devoted all of their energies to beating Clemson and winning this game. Woj, Marty, thank you. Since we're talking about that first game, let's look back on November 7th to Joey's point. There was no Trevor Lawrence. He was out due to COVID. DJ Uyangalale filling in against Ian Book. Second quarter, Notre Dame leading by three here. Travis Etienne, we haven't seen a lot of that, but juggles the ball, leads to the turnover. Notre Dame takes it in, now lead by 10, 20 to 10. 23-16 ball game here. Uyangalale to David Allen and Clemson. Ties it up at 23. It was back and forth all night long. Tied at 26 in the fourth quarter. Etienne on the carry. Punches it in. Clemson takes the lead. 33-26. Not done yet, though. Not by a long shot. Seconds in this one. Notre Dame booked to Avery Davis. That's a good one. Notre Dame ties it up at 33. And that means we go to overtime. This one lived up to the hype. We Ungalale takes it into the end zone. Clemson leads by seven. And so... It's Notre Dame's turn. Keep an eye on Kyron Williams. This would be his second touchdown of the night. Notre Dame leading by seven. The Tigers have a final chance. Uyunglele to Brandon Galloway. No go. Loses the ball. Notre Dame recovers, and the Fighting Irish win it in a very exciting game, 47-40, to 40, the final tally. Time now to discuss the Capital One fan vote. Number two, Notre Dame. Number three, Clemson. In large part because of that game, do you have the Fighting Irish or the Tigers? You can go, you can vote, twitter.com slash sportscenter. Uh, listen, it's what we're talking about. There's an ACC championship on the line. Again, a reminder, twitter.com slash sportscenter to cast your vote, Notre Dame or Clemson, an ACC championship on the line. It's the question I will pose to both of you, Joey, starting with you. Uh, who, who do you have in this one? I like Clemson. I, I do think that they have more on the line. I uh, think that, you know, if I look at the rankings right now, in my opinion, and this does has nothing to do with what the committee will do, I think that Alabama and Notre Dame are in, regardless of what happens this weekend. And so when you look at Clemson's situation, having lost the first time around, if they lose this game, I think Clemson's out of the playoff. And so you're adding in players that didn't play the first time. You get Foster in the middle of that defense, uh, sort of slow down the run game of Notre Dame with, with Kyron Williams went for 140. 
Uh, then you get James Skalski, their, their defensive quarterback, uh, you know, in the middle of that defense. And Notre Dame was really good on third downs. And, and I think when you look at that game, the way it was played, Ian Book took a huge step forward in his ability to go down the field. So you add in players from, from the Clemson defense that didn't play the first time around. And I think it makes a more solid defense, a more confident defense, and gives Brent Venables the ability to do some of the things he's always been known for, some of the blitzes, some of the different looks. So you add those players in, I think Clemson wins a second time around. Joey, Notre Dame wins this game. They've got more playmakers in more places. That sounds strange to say, but they do. On the defensive side of the ball, the first time around, they fully stuffed Travis Etienne in the running game. Etienne averaged five per carry. Now, that's not five yards. It's five feet per carry. The defensive line of Notre Dame is just as good as Clemson's when Clemson's D-line is at full strength. But Notre Dame has the best individual playmaking linebacker in Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and the best individual playmaking safety in Kyle Hamilton. Now, having Trevor Lawrence back is huge. DJ Oyungalele threw for over 400 yards, did some great things, but he missed some opportunities, especially on third down and especially under pressure. The thing is, though, Ian Book of Notre Dame has more answers within his tight end and receiver group than Trevor Lawrence does. He's got more guys that can do more things and more options when things tend to break down. It, it kind of made me tear my hair out to come to this conclusion, but Joey, Notre Dame wins this game. Trev, I think you're, right, fellas, you're, you're looking at the first the game. game, and I understand, like, I understand what you're saying about Travis Etienne and, and how they shut him down, but you're still talking about the two-time two offensive uh, ACC player of the year. I don't assume that Notre Dame is going to be able to pull that off one more time. If they do, I agree. They will win. Can't see it happening, Trev. Etn will have his mark on this game. Well, and again, Trevor Lawrence is back, but it really wasn't quarterback play that made the difference in that first game. But James Skalski, do not underestimate what he brings to this Tiger defense as well. Again, an ACC championship on the line. Uh, it's not the only place. What about the Big Ten? Ohio State will get the chance to play Northwestern. Joey and Trevor will talk about the keys for this one and if it's possible for the Wildcats to pull off an upset. We'll also talk about those top four teams and what team, if any, has a chance to sneak in. Is there a way we could see Oklahoma? We'll talk about that coming up. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper, the official drink of Fansville. And in part by Tostitos. Get to the good stuff. You're watching College Football Live, presented by Dr. Pepper. Four teams, two semifinals, New Year's Day. The College Football Playoff lives on ESPN. Championship Saturday kicks off at noon. Ohio State and Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. The Buckeyes looking to become the first Big Ten team to win the conference outright for four consecutive years. Northwestern, on the other hand, hasn't won the conference since 2000, hasn't won it outright since 95, when now head coach Pat Fitzgerald was playing linebacker for the Wildcats in what was a special season in Evanston. And plenty of playoff implications on the line for the Buckeyes in this one, a win. According to the All-State Playoff Predictor, gives Ohio State a 96% chance to make the playoffs. A loss, however, would drop that percentage 
to under one. So clearly a pivotal matchup for these two teams. But Joey, if the Wildcats, let's play fill in the blank, are to pull off the upset, they need to do what? Well, they need to run the ball well. If you look at what they did last week and how they won the game against Illinois, they ran it for 4-11. It was young guys in Porter and Hall had big games. Now, I don't think that uh, Illinois' defense is as good as, as Ohio State's defense, so they won't put up 4-11, but they have to run the ball to basically not just move the chains, but to make it easier for the pass game. Peyton Ramsey's uh, completion percentage has come down the last three weeks, but if you looked at last week's game, I had a real easy touchdown pass to Manjiri, the tight end, and it was because their ability to run the ball makes the linebackers respect the play fakes. I don't think Ramsey's a quarterback that's going to stand in the pocket and light you up, but when it comes to play action passes, uh, the passes to the tight ends, that's where he can succeed, but it all begins with their ability to run the ball. Well, Joy, they better sprout a downfield passing game with some of those play-action passes because I think most of their success comes with the running game and with the short passing game. Northwestern, not very good at throwing the ball deep down the field. So the Buckeye defense will come up to jam up the short passes and the running game. And they'll force Peyton Ramsey to throw that ball deeper down the field. And they can do it by having play-action, like you said, have maximum protection. Eight guys in to protect. Send only two guys down the field so they'll have time to get open or maybe double moves off of the short routes that they already run. But if they don't throw the ball deeper down the field, then to me, there's nothing that their defense can do with turnovers to help them because they still need to move the ball. They still need to punch it in and they won't be able to do it unless they back off the Buckeye defense. Yeah, the problem, Trev, when you say go down the field a little more, uh, in the game they lost against Michigan State, they turned it over four times. And last week, they even turned one over early. Luckily for Northwestern, Illinois missed a field goal. You start taking those shots downfield, uh, and, and that's not your game, you cannot afford to turn the ball over. you got a better chance if you just end up punting it away. But turnovers will absolutely hurt you. So those shots downfield, those make me a little nervous for Northwestern. Uh, you're right about that. What they'll have to do is manufacture safer throws, Joey. But you're right. If they try to get out of their safe zone, yeah. they're in trouble. They need to stay within their safe zone, add some wrinkles. Well, the Big Ten making the adjustment, audibling on that rule where you had to play six games so that Ohio State could play for a championship. But they are not the only team with plenty on the line. Again, going back to our All-State playoff predictor, both Clemson and USC would have a greater then 60% chance to make the playoff with wins, but again, less than 1% with a loss. The predictor doesn't see much changing with Cincinnati, only a 15% chance to make the playoffs with a win. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of change as we take a look at the committee who's already looking ahead to the scenarios. Uh, we never know if chaos will reign, and they're trying already to figure out uh, exactly what should happen uh, given what we see over the weekend. Look, those top four, they've been pretty set, Trevor, and we haven't seen a ton of change, but it's not over till it's over, as they say. So uh, if you're looking at a team who has maybe the chance to sneak in, uh, who, who is it for you? You know what? Watch out for Iowa State. Now, that's, that's heresy just a month ago because everybody thought the Big 12 was completely out of it with two two-loss teams playing for the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma and Iowa State. But because of the Florida loss, Iowa State will go right up to number six most likely in the next ranking. And then if they add two at a conference championship over a top-ten Oklahoma, 
That trumps anything that A&M can do in their final week against Tennessee, for goodness sake, not ranked Tennessee. So Iowa State all of a sudden sits in position to do that. Oklahoma, same way, by the way. If they have a convincing win over Iowa State, they had that conference championship and a win over a top-10 team, they could jump A&M. And, of course, Cincinnati lurks in the weeds in case something weird happens. Yeah, I think it all begins with what happens in the ACC title game and what happens in the Big Ten championship game. I, I really think that two spots are filled. I, I do think Alabama and Notre Dame are safe. So if Notre Dame loses, uh, that also puts Clemson in. And if Ohio State wins and that puts them in, and this is a, a mute decision. But if you look at if, let's say, Clemson loses, let's say Ohio State loses, Trev, you're right. It opens it up for either one of the Big 12 teams, but I also think it opens the door for a Cincinnati team, which has unfortunately had their last three games canceled. And people sort of forgot about them, and they slid one spot last week behind the Iowa State team. But I think if they could knock off Tulsa in a convincing fashion and some other things fall into place, you know, with, with maybe Iowa State losing, with, with maybe Clemson losing, Ohio State losing, then they still have a shot at this. But I, I think it's hard to go much deeper than that when you think about teams that have a chance to get in. Joey, isn't it great, though, to be talking about somebody besides the top four, which is what we've been talking about the whole time. The Big 12's out. The Pac-12's out. Cincinnati can't make all of a sudden. There's a crack. There's a window. Chaos can still happen. But you're right. It does depend on what happens in those championship games, especially the ACC. Uh, everybody likes a bit of chaos, although in 2020, I'm not so sure. Maybe we just need some stability after what we've all uh, after what we've all seen the last few months. Uh, listen, those college football playoff rankings revealed live, of course, on ESPN at 7 o'clock Eastern, as they are each week. So do not miss that tonight. Take a look, though, at our Capital One Bowl Mania preview. Uh, lots of teams already accepting invites. Eight bowls have already been filled. Notables include the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. There we'll see Tulane and Nevada. And how about the Boca Raton Bowl between UCF and BYU? Certainly expect a shootout. Both teams averaging over 43 points per game. Still to come, we will talk just a little bit about what's ahead for Auburn and show you why, uh, I don't know, do we see the inner Nick Saban from Lane Kiffin? That's coming up. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper, the official drink of Fansville, and in part by Allstate. You've never been in better hands. Take a look at the lineup for the weekend. Saturday on ABC, the Big 12 championship game. That's Oklahoma and Iowa State kicks things off at noon, then Clemson, noon Eastern, then Clemson and Notre Dame for an ACC title and on Sunday the college football playoff selection show noon Eastern 9 a.m. Pacific on ESPN and the ESPN app. Meanwhile Auburn made it official on Sunday parting ways with head coach Gus Malzahn less than 24 hours after they finished the season six and four. He finished with a record of 68 and 34 and that decision comes with a hefty price tag a buyout of almost $22 million. Nevertheless, the Tigers have opted to move on, uh, and that means we, too, look ahead. Trevor, who in your mind is a good fit for the new head coaching job at Auburn? UAB coach Bill Clark. He's done a phenomenal job at UAB. Coaches that coach high school in the recruiting footprint know they can trust him with their third and even fourth-tier players. 
they will trust him with their first and second tier players as well. Plus, because of the shutdown of the program for a couple of years, managing the politics of that whole scenario and then bringing them back to win the first Conference USA championship in their history. He understands how to navigate the politics and use them to his benefit, which really is job one at Auburn. I think it's Bill Clark, and then he should keep Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, as his assistant head coach once again to help navigate the waters of Auburn and maximize what other people see as a detriment. Number one, I need to get one of these buyout things because it, it seems to work out well. If you walk out the door, <laughs> you and me both. Then, hey, it, it doesn't hurt all that bad to get fired. You know, you kind of go home and kind of have some fun. But I always wonder how long Cincinnati will be able to hold on to Luke Fickle, number one, who's done a terrific job there. But underneath him, a defense coordinator, Marcus Freeman. When you look at what their defense has been able to do, especially in the American Conference, where you go against big-time offenses like SMU and Memphis and UCF, uh, the way they've played defense this season, uh, if you look at those top eight, nine teams in the country, and I'm talking about the big boys included, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, those guys, I would say that Cincinnati's defense is just as good, if not better, than all those guys. Marcus Freeman has done a terrific job. I really expect to start hearing his name in some of these head coaching searches. Well, one name that seems to always pop up one way or another is Lane Kiffin, and he was asked, uh, slightly tongue-in-cheek perhaps, but maybe not, about that head coaching job at Auburn, and here was his response. I, I don't. You know, that's just product of when your players play well, you're going to be in rumors like that. So there's been no conversations, anything like that. Um, I wanted to say, um, you know, what I learned from my mentor, um, you know, that if you guys are going to keep asking this, I'm going to have to tell you, I will not be the head coach at Alabama, okay? So stop asking me. I wasn't supposed to say that, but I just had to. He can't, he, he, he really cannot help himself. He just can't, guys. I mean, it's good fodder, but it never stops. Oh, you got to wonder what Nick Saban really yeah, thinks about yeah. it when he's not saying it doesn't bother him. Yeah, and eventually yeah. you got to play those guys I again, so Joey, you're not usually laughing then. I agree with that buyout. I didn't feel that bad. I mean, you know, it cushions the blow. Gentlemen, thank you. We'll see you all back here tomorrow.